Hey everybody, welcome to Street Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Wilhelm, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Uh, we have a, a lot going on here. Uh, last week we went over the story of Samson and our takeaways from that. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I felt like after listening to it, I I wasn't fully in the in the message, and I and I prayed hard about what was the direction God wanted me to go with the next episode, and it hit me immediately. It's the woman at the well. The woman at the well. So, uh, you know, I... On top of that, I had a couple a couple things happen this week that really, um, you know, affected me, and I'd like to get into them with you, into them with you some. But uh, on top of that, uh, through prayer and uh, and reading in the Word and going through the story, I realized that there's, or through the Scripture, that there is a lot a lot there, and I'm excited to share that with you today. So, uh, the story of the or the the passages of the woman at the well. Uh, resides in John chapter 4, and it's uh, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 40. Uh, and we're going to start it here. I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll uh, we'll get into my takeaways. So it says, uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of uh, Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside, uh, wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, You're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, You must be a prophet. So tell me why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had nerve to ask, 
What do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone, the disciples asked each other? Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters paid good wages, uh, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. Now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear this message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we heard for we heard from him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Okay, so that is the, the passage of the woman at the well, right? So um, some takeaways from this, right? First of all, Jews and Samaritans did not get along, right? They, um, the Samaritans, the Jews believed, were like a half-breed society where they intermingled with the Assyrians. So they had this like half-form of Judaism, and um, they were just separate, total like caste system, separate apart. Um, that's something to take away from this because like she said, she didn't even expect Jesus to talk to her because she was a Jew. Right. And what does that, or because he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. What, what do we gather from that? Well, we gather that Jesus has come for all people, right? Not, not just the Jews. Uh, and this was his way of showing us that right early on in his ministry. Um, so the woman came for the well at the hottest part of the day. Um, so in, in traditional times here, most most women were women were the ones that were sent to fetch water for the household, right? For cooking and cleaning and drinking and so on and so forth. And uh, you know they they live in the Middle East, which is, it's extremely hot. So uh, for better conservation of energy and just time spent, the most of the women would go either really early in the day before it got hot or really late in the evening when it started to cool off. That was the times they went to get water. This woman was so embarrassed about her life and where she came from um, and what she's done that she refused to, to even be around those women because of the ridicule and hurt. Um, so that's, that's something we have to take away from the story itself. So when Jesus asked her uh, for water, he, he broke many traditions. Like I said, there Jews were not supposed to be uh, even it was not commonplace for them to even talk uh, to a Samaritan, right? They literally turned their back on a Samaritan. And Jesus not only um, saw her and didn't um, leave, he spoke to her. He asked her for a drink of water. The, the simple fact that if he took a drink of water from her, the, the using her cup or vessel would make him unceremoniously un, un, or would make him ceremoniously unclean. Is a is a big deal to the Jewish culture. So for anyone else, it's it's surprising. It was a ridiculous surprise to, for the disciples to see Jesus doing this when they came back. Um, 
when you know Jesus offered her living water despite despite her immorality, like you know, what does that tell us? That tells us that uh, you know, first of all, the living water is not water itself; it's the Holy Spirit, right? It's the the forgiveness for our sins. It's it's everything that we want, need, and hope for, and desire as Christians. He's offering that to her despite her immorality, and he knew he was able to tell her what she did before she ever said anything. Right, So he knew exactly who she was and, and what she was doing. It didn't matter that she was a Samaritan. It didn't matter that she had lived her life unfaithful. Uh, it, none, of, none of those things mattered to him. What mattered to him to, was to, to bring the living water to her. And that's why he was there, right? Uh, so uh, an interesting takeaway for, for this story that I, I had never seen until I went through and actually dug deeper into the story you know, well, let me, uh, probably the better way to do this is let me get into my own personal story here. So my own personal story, um, shortly after New Year's, right, I've been going through a season um, in my life, and it's hasn't been good. It's been a season of heartache and a season of hurt. Um, and uh, I've been praying hard and, and working through it, and God's been here with me every step of the way to try to make, you know, it as easy as it can be on me and, and to work through this and continue to work on our ministry and so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, it came to me in prayer when it, that I needed to fast. Um, and when it came time to fast it, I, it in my mind, it came up to, uh, 40 days is what is what I'd heard. And, uh, the, I've never fasted before, so I did a little a little Googling, a little research, and uh, came across something called the Daniel Fast, which is uh, a big in church culture now. And uh, it's a basically, you know, super strict regimented diet, you know, no alcohol, no extra, no added sugar, um, essentially vegan, uh, but only whole grains, um, unprocessed whole grains, uh, no yeast, a pretty super restricted diet. And uh, so I went on a path to, to do this for 40 days. And uh, like I said, I'd never fasted before, so I had no idea what I was really getting myself into, but I was just praying my way through. And I told myself, God says, do 40 days, you do 40 days. And uh, I got to, the traditional Daniel fast is only 21 days long, right? But, um, so I went uh, 10 days uh, into the fast, and I lost 10 pounds, uh, I was feeling pretty good. The cravings weren't too bad. I kept trying to look at it from the right perspective. You know, it's not a diet. It's a fast. I'm doing this for God. I'm giving these things up for God. So there's no need to starve myself. But um, as long as I'm within the, the food of the fast, then I'm, then I'm doing right by him and things are good, right? So 10, 10 pounds, 10 days, you know, definitely clean, cleaned myself out. was in a good spot. But then I had my throat surgery. And... Through my throat surgery, I, you know, had to think about, you know, is it a smart idea to try to do this fast after you had surgery on your throat? Um, because really, you know, most people are going to be, you know, nursing ice cream for a few days to help, you know, get enough calories in while, while they try to get down water. Like, that's that's what you do. Um, but, I, you know, I told myself, you know, God said 40 days, you do 40 days. And um, I made it another 10 days through the... Uh, uh, through the fast, but I was really, really starting to struggle. It wasn't even, no, I'm sorry. I mean, it was another week. So I was 16 days in to the fast and I had lost 20 pounds. 
Um, I was really struggling, you know, it's a lot of weight, but I was doing right by God. I felt good that I was doing the right thing in the fast, but I was, I was hurt. I was really hurt. The cravings were starting to come in hard. I was starting to question what I was doing. Um, and it was, it was really starting to become too much to bear. And, uh, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. Um, after three or four days of going through this, um, I started to really think that I was going to end up breaking the fast, but I didn't know how to feel about it. Um, I didn't, I did not know how to feel about it. I did realize that I hit 21 days and the, and the original Daniel fast is designed for 21 days. So I felt good about that, but I, I wasn't prepared to just get as bad as I was ready to quit. I wasn't prepared to give up yet because God didn't tell me it was okay for you know, lack of a better term. Um, and I didn't know how to feel about that. I wound up reaching out to someone that I value so much on her opinion. And there's really no one else I'd rather talk to about, um, anything, but definitely in regards to faith, uh, I value her opinion more than, more than anyone's. And, uh, I reach out and I ask, you know, am I, is it wrong of me to quit this fast? And, uh, she was very, you know, pointed with her answer. She says, you have to do what God says, but I always lean towards grace for myself. And I started thinking about it, and I started thinking about the fact that I really, I felt like I couldn't do this anymore. I was starting to see colors. I was feeling faint. Um, I just could not keep up with the caloric intake I needed anything else. So I, I decided with that fact that I broke, I broke the fast. And... What I, what I realized when I broke the fast is that, you know, through this season that I'm going through, um, as, the, as the food that I was getting in now was starting to nourish my body back, um, with all those hunger pains and, and, and those type of, of feelings gone, I realized that I was actually in a, in a state of depression from, from my season that I'm in, and, uh, it hit me, but it didn't hit me in a way that, you know, people that are depressed, um, feel about things. It actually hit me in a way that, uh, let me know that I can, now that I, I see it, I can recognize it and I can start to take steps to move forward through it. Right. And it was all because I, I decided to give myself that grace. And the reason why I bring this up with this story is because you know, what, what is God giving with that living water? You know, what is he giving? He's giving us his grace. Jesus is always, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how far we stray from him, his grace is eternal. And it is, it is all powerful in that way that it, it is here to heal us and fix us no matter what, when we're ready to come back to it. And I find it so funny that, that we, we have that, right, that that's there for us, and that's amazing, but we can't even give ourselves grace sometimes. The, the grace for all of us is um, something that we have to learn to do for ourselves. You know, Jesus taught us that, you know, we're to, to love our neighbor as ourselves, or to love, love the God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So for most of us Christians, we we get the, the the love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, right? That's the that that's easy, right? It's God, and uh, you know we get the idea of trying to love our neighbor. 
but he doesn't just say love your neighbor. He says love your neighbor as you would love yourself because you're not supposed to love anybody more than you love yourself, essentially. Like, you're the one that has to breathe. You're the one that has to take care of yourself. You have to love yourself. But so oftentimes, we cannot give ourselves the grace to to heal ourselves sometimes. We're our, our worst critics. We beat ourselves up the most. And it's... It, it's sad, but it's true, and we have to learn that we have to be able to give ourselves some grace. Why? Because if God can give us grace, if if God can forgive us for all the terrible things we've done and all the all the crappy places we've been, why can't we give us give ourselves grace over things that we fall short on? Because we know from our faith that we were we were born into sin. We were born to fall short. I'm not saying not to hold yourself accountable. I'm not saying not to try. But when you know you've given everything you got, you have to give yourself a little grace because God does. And isn't that what he wants for all of us? If you can't give yourself grace, how are you supposed to give your, your neighbor grace? How are you supposed to show a God that loves you enough to give you grace that you love him back if you can't give yourself grace? It really is what I wanted to to focus on in this message today. And the... The woman at the well is a classic example that he's going to love you no matter what, and he's going to be there for you no matter what. You just have to be willing to accept it. And if you're going to accept it from him, you're going to have to accept it from yourself too. So let's go ahead and end this bad boy in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want you to know I appreciate the time we have here with the listeners today, Lord. I hope this message reaches them, and I hope it touches their hearts the way you designed it to be. Lord, I thank you for letting me go through these seasons that I'm going through, Lord, to teach me in the hopes that I can teach others what you want in our lives, Lord. I pray that anyone that is listening to this that needs help, that is hurting, that is sorry, they come to you, Lord, and they ask you for your forgiveness. Lord, and I hope that they reach out if they need help with this and we can help them through the the steps it takes to get closer and closer to you, God. I hope that these words reach all the ears of the earth, Lord, that you intended to hear, Lord. And I pray all this in your heavenly and almighty name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.